This is Project 1521. I'm Adolfo Guzman Lopez. Today is July 19th, 2021. Coming up on the show, we'll talk about the land we stand on and the land inside us and being caught in between. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Go ahead and subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe so you can listen to the forthcoming shows. Look for our GoFundMe link in the podcast description. And now, an update about the GoFundMe campaign from Project 1521 member Yago Kira. Hey there, I am Yago Kira, owner of Inchas Press, caretaker of the GoFundMe campaign and member of Project 1521. We are 18% of our fundraising goal with six more weeks left. You can find the GoFundMe link in the podcast description. We want to thank the following individuals for their generous support and donations. We are reporting that John Brabe has officially joined the family. Thank you. We also want to thank Dr. Joyce for her donation, Shishini. Thank you to Melissa from the Big Fresnal. And as always, a big thank you to Anonymous. Our family of donors is getting larger, but there's still plenty of room for everyone. You Will Not Be Forgotten is the first in a series of publications that address the 500 years of resistance since the arrival of Cortez and the fall of the Aztec Empire. And we want you to read our work. And with a 25 donation, we will ship you a copy of our first poetry collection anywhere in the continental United States. You'll also receive a thank you acknowledgement in the publication. For every GoFundMe donation, you will receive additional perks that will give you insight to our writings. With that said, we hope that you can become part of our family of donors. Donate now, and when the book arrives, you can proudly display it and say, Yeah, I helped fund that. Once again, help us reach our goal by donating. You can find the GoFundMe link in the podcast description. Donate today. Become family. Muchísimas gracias, and thank you. The writers of Project 1521 use multiple languages to create, and not just English and Spanish. In the time we've met, we've also confronted the Nahua words written in Latin letters that document the violence of conquest. The Tlaquilos, who wrote and painted the Florentine Codex about 50 years after conquest, had one foot in the before, one foot in the future, and their bodies in the present. Project 1521 member Gloria Enedina Alvarez writes about those states. She's a Los Angeles writer who's been writing poetry and performing on stages both small and grand. Project 1521 member Darren J. DeLeon sat down with Gloria to listen to the ideas behind her writing. I have with me Chicana poet, Intermedia, Artist, literary translator, curator, creative writing professor. Her literary and artistic efforts have been recognized by the National Endowment for the Arts, City of Los Angeles, and many others. She has books of poetry in both English and Spanish. Both her epic plays, Los Biombos, The Screens, has been produced by Cornerstone Theater and directed by Peter Sellers. Her libretto, Cuento de un Soldado, Story of a Soldier, also directed by uh, Sellers. She has also collaborated on the opera El Nino, La Nativete, produced by the Châtelet Theater Musical de Paris and the San Francisco Symphony. It is with great honor that I introduce today's guest, Gloria Enadina Alvarez. Hello. Un placer, un placer, un placer estar aquí con contigo y con ustedes, con todos los radioescuchas. 
so good to be here for the invitation. This is something that I really, really, I mean, on a personal level, I, I really want to do. I mean, we're, we're friends, but also want to say that I have a tremendous respect not only for you, but for the work and all the efforts that you've made within poetry and also just within life in general, you know. So I, I definitely look up to you and your writings as prime examples of what a productive writer, poet life should be consisted of. Uh, well, tu eres mi otro yo. You are my other self in like edge. Todas y todos. Todos with an X somos. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I want to start off. I want to talk about a word, sanctuary. What what is your currently? What is your sanctuary? Well, I think these days my sanctuary is within. Um, when I was very young, and when I the first time I was able to express out loud, you know, my my relationship with language and wanting to be a writer was in the, my sanctuary at that time, which was the library. I grew up in South Central LA, you know, born in Guadalajara, Jalisco, came here at the age of three, uh, same age as my father when they were repatriated to Mexico, three generations of U.S. citizens in the mid-30s to 40s, something like that, when that happened. So I left home when I was 16, back to the library, you know, as uh, my sanctuary at that time. Uh, uh, I remember, I think I was in every book club. I really loved reading and I remember, you know, going up to the librarian and telling her that I wanted to be a writer. She just looked at me and shook her head and she said, you know, that's not for people like you. That's for people that have money. So I was like, okay. I never brought it up again until I got to college. <laughs> and that's another story. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's very common. I've, I've heard this many times for writers, especially those who grew up as uh, where English was their second language. And they talked about how they never felt comfortable speaking English. So they kind of pursued, you know, that, that command of, of the English language and of words and so forth and that's kind of the thing that drove them to writing was this uncertainty and this like this is just drive to to help them master the the, the language was, was that something that occurred with you yeah it's interesting that you're you're bringing that up because i feel like i've been really interested in in translation and you know the mixing of the spanish and the english i was like you know, I had to be a translator for the family since I was very young, since I even before I could read and write. And actually, I knew that I I knew that I wanted to be a writer even before I could read or write. 
I remember my, you know, my sister who was older than I was and could already read and write, I would have her do these little, kind of like these cartoons and and also uh, kind of like these little novella, photo novella type things, you know, you know, we would do the drawings and then we, I would have her do the little bubbles and I would tell her what to write in there since <laughs> I didn't know how to, how to write yet. Then when I was probably, uh, when we had first gotten here and we lived in San Pedro, because when we first got here, we lived in San Bernardino, Riverside, and then we moved to San Pedro. And uh, my dad grew milpa in the backyard. So we had, we had some space. We used to put on these like variedades and um, we would get our older cousins, you know, I, I would write like these, um, you know, these, the scripts and, and kind of direct. I was uh, about four years old at the time. Wow. <laughs> and we had uh, all these dresses and I'll talk about that a little bit when I read a poem that I wrote um, for my grandmother speaking of sanctuary. It talks about santuario. Her name was Amparo, which also means santuario, uh, sanctuary. Her sister had given us these flamenco dresses. We do cross-dressing and, and, and dress my, my uh, primos up in those dresses. And, <laughs> and we would also dance and sing. And so like I knew that I was really interested in, in language and performance since I was very young. I understand you have a piece about your grandmother and can you share that with us please? Sure. Amparo was my grandmother's name. And Amparo was also uh, my sister's name who died before I was born. Amparo, sanctuary, liberación de persecución. Start with the hum of the universe. Stop with the O of the infinite the unending circle, an echo falls into the abyss to rise over and over. Una mano apretada, fija en el titubeo, ancha y segura como mañana. Su inocencia asoma, fixed amidst doubt, Safe and wide, a hand wrapped like morning or tomorrow. Innocence peers forth to provide refuge and protection from harm that could befall. Her breath drawn from a white dove that flew in through the window. Her last breath perched above her bed. Una ofrenda a su hermana, el último suspiro an offering to her sister, as she too feels the absence of breath. Su nombre lleva la fuerza de su abuela, el refugio, roca balanceada sobre la montaña, entre la piedra amarilla y el río blanco que corre colorado. Her name carries her grandmother's strength, 
the refuge, boulder balanced above the mountain, between the yellow stone and the white river that winds red. Mamamparo, who walked through a blizzard with her mother Sarita to save Alfredo, her father. Amparo, feet numbed with frostbite, child bride of Rafael, that worked for the railroad that gave her Alfredo, her rock, born in the plains of Cheyenne, involuntarily returned to Zacatecas on that same train that brought her from that land, her exiled son, ch child provider, wise protector, who with Enedina in Jalisco fathered her grandchild. Amparo. Caminó los pasos congelados de abuela Amparo con su madre Sara. Salvó Alfredo, su padre, niña esposa de Rafael que trabajaba para el ferrocarril, que le dio a Alfredo su roca. Nació en lo plano de Cheyenne para retornar a Zacatecas sin su voluntad en el mismo tren que la trajo de esa tierra. Su progénito exiliado, niño proveedor, sabio protector, quien con Enedina en Jalisco trajo su nieta, el santuario de Amparito, que murió antes de mi luz. Juntamos las memorias cerca a lo profundo de la montaña. Comenzamos día por día a encontrar las piedras que nombran, testimonios que enseñan la fuerza de saber escuchar. Amparito, who died before my birth, together we find and gather the memories hidden deep near the mountain. Start day by day to find the stones that name, bear witness, and teach the strength to truly listen. Wow. What you've expressed to me so far is, is like this relationship of new land, new language. How yeah, moving around in, in, you know, Southern California and the city, you know, living in different parts of the city until we landed finally and stayed for a while and in South Central, because we lived in in the projects out there in the Inland Empire. Then we were in Mar Vista, in the projects there for a little bit. And then we were able to, to stay in South Central for a while. So yeah, I feel like I speak from the feminine origin of the city in shape-shifting language of image and shadow. Yeah, you know, mixing Spanish and English, articulating its everyday wonder of survival and braiding tones that vibrate with my cell phone tongue on my own terms in my own time. How does that connect with the land? For you, how would you say that your relationship between the, the either the land that, that you folks had left or the land that you folks have arrived to? How's that come into your poetry, into your writing, into your creative process? Well, I was thinking again when I would hear that we were going to be coming, when we were in Mexico, in Mexico City, with my mom and my dad was here. 
And we had no idea where he was, what had happened, because actually when my dad tried to come back, my dad, who was a U.S. citizen, but, you know, left and grew up in Mexico and then decided to come as a young man after he had married my mom and, and had a couple of us uh, there in Mexico City. When he, when he came, you know, to the border, they detained him and actually arrested him because it was like at the beginning of the, the Vietnam War. Uh, they accused him of, <laughs> of dodging the, of the draft. And so we didn't know where he was. So anyway, we were waiting for him. And I remember them telling me that, that we were coming to the Estados Unidos, but I would hear with my poetic ear, Estados Unidos, <laughs> the sunken states, you know? And I had like, you know, I was like, oh my God, why are we going there, you know? I mean, I knew we had to come meet my dad. Yeah, I remember when we crossed the border, you know, in Tijuana and I was like looking all around and I remember, you know, asking, oh my God, I would ask my mom, you know, God, you know, is it gonna look like the moon? And I was like looking for these craters and stuff. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. And then and then when I started school, I remember my mom, my mom didn't speak English to the day she died, you know, all the time she lived here. She did not want to come here. You know, she was not comfortable here. Wow. So, so she just refused. So that was her resistance. But somehow she, she learned, uh, taught me to say, you know, my name, so I would be ready. And, you know, so I learned my name is Gloria Alvarez, but I didn't, you know, Alvarez didn't make sense at all to me. I had no <laughs> understanding of that. And I heard my, I would say my name is Gloria Arboles. And oh my God, I loved it. I mean, I could prondosa, you know, all these branches, you know, moving in the wind. And I love that name, Gloria Arboles. <laughs> nice, nice. I like that. You know, speaking of of uh, since you're you're going a little over family history, uh, maybe you could share with us. Do you have a piece about your father? Oh yes, mocasines, my father's chanclas, my father's slippers, my father's shoes. He said to me, "Wear them if you don't feel asco." What? How could I feel asco when I feel the warmth of the wrinkles and furrowed creases of time on sidewalks and pavement, the soft black dirt moistened by the oil that thickens the grass where you walked and stood and crouched, your back arched and ached against and underneath the cars that day by day you patiently revived, sometimes caressed or chastised into one more ride to the factory where you bent steel to the touch, cut metal with the precision of a surgeon with a diamond cutter's mark to the tiendita by Central Avenue south of the center, centered at Patisdeli 
tamales, carnitas, crunchy chicharrones, menudo jalapeños en vinagre que no falten, pico de gallo y chiles güeritos. The next stop was served for Sundays, milk and eggs with some tortillas for now. On to Mario Casetas, folkways of the world on the dial, back to the six children and the wife, the daughters who dress up in Tia Esperanza's flamenco costumes, endless ruffles, cotton aqua peppered with black beauty marks, those black moons balanced upon the open sea of the dresses, rippling and cascading, black onyx raw silk curves, rusted silver safety pins striped the back as my sisters and I danced ballet, sang opera, then came home to mambo, Perez Prado, Danzón, Acerina, on to the bullfight, Paso Doble, someone would die, El Relicario with Salita Montiel, finally Los Trios, Los Panchos with Edie Gourmet, Cerca del Mar, La Barca de Oro, Gemma and Usted, Mexican ballads drowned by our mother's commands towards Mujercita's household duties, and by the sound of the twisting ice in our father's rum and coke glass, Pura Vida, Cuba Libre, Vida Pura. Again, I feel the warmth of my father's joy and pain love and strength, compassion and endurance, the brilliance and pride of a fourth grade education and a lifetime of hard work. Clarity, wisdom, service to skilled devotion for his uprooted home, his displaced people from Wyoming to Jalisco, following his heart and his family. From Jalisco to Los Angeles, how many U.S. citizens repatriated? How many lost but found? Found as we name ourselves, name the lost and find ourselves. I touch the soft suede, the map of my father, tropical storm, crosses over Los Angeles. When I step into the sheepskin, I step into my father's shoes. Wow. Wow. Why is there such a strong tradition between poets and revolutionary movements? Well, going back to our origins, I think, well, specifically mine, I should say, the Amante Carli, the artist speaks not only with their own heart, but to their own heart and expresses and reflects the el querer de la gente, the love. The, so, I mean, it seems like, and then, you know, also talking about truth, seeking truth does that help poetry does that help poetry feed into those issues of like a land-based struggle 
you know, things about truth, beauty, which a lot of times really drives folks to move toward eradicating injustice. Well, beauty in the sense of walking in beauty, going back again to the, the origins and being responsible for ourselves and for others to come. And those ties with the land inside of ourselves, even. And maybe kind of going into, you know, the whole thing with um, neither here nor there, but realizing that we are both here and there. Nepantla, which has everything to do with the land and beyond. Nepantla was the first word um, that was used to try to explain, you know, what had happened to us, you know, and what we were living because we had never lived it before, the colonization. So some people have interpreted it as being neither here nor there. But then for me, the more, you know, trying to trying to figure that out and thinking about just, you know, within my own family, the, the repatriation, you know, the, that history, and also how, you know, for myself living, you know, this, this interior exile, this internal exile, that as Chicanos or Latinos here, you know, in the U.S. that we live, um, the word is, is most definitely tied Poeticas. Where the poetry, the poem, in effect, like a mental voyage whose blackmail to reality, like to pretext the poetry, whose sketch of a dream, like a fictitious first person who speaks while absent, like a rock song without origin, whose abstract wrath, like an obtuse content, whose lipstick upon open lips, like essence narrated, whose persecuted graffiti, like a dialogue of the blind, whose language true to children, like light equals verbal flash, whose metaphor performance, like inconclusive reality, whose reconstructed performer, like word filter, whose babble which does not say like to versify, to speak of you, whose verse, which is not image, like that which you observe, and the idea, and you. Say, 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 say! Whose lightning thought, like a poem, like poetry, like saga. 
whose interrogation and response to the real, like not the one who speaks, but another voice, who listens to dialogues of unknown insects, like to have declared the death of poetry today. Well, what, what can we say about, about the Chicanos and the Chicanas, the, the writers and their contributions to literature, both in the, America, well, in the Americas, you know, both the United States and Latin America? And in the long run, what will be said about us? Oh, I think... <laughs> I'm not sure what will be said about us, but... Uh, what we need to say, I think we're saying it. Is that one of the things that maybe drew you into um, Project 1521? This, this issue of, I think we're, we're now bringing up this turn, the end of conquest. Yeah, because we're, we're still living in Nepantla. Yeah, to this day. How do we rise above it? Can we escape Napantla? We talk about self-determination. We talk about living to the potential that we're supposed to be. Yeah, I think that that for me, you know, finally understanding that that that's what um, you know that that we are not stuck in this place of you know in this void in this. Yeah, it's a self-determination. It's a, you know, it's, it's it's not the neither being here nor there, but being both here and there. Gloria and Darren's poetry and my poetry will be part of Project 1521's forthcoming books. But to publish them, we need you to join our family of donors. Please click on the GoFundMe link in the podcast description. Next week on Project 1521. Everything that we know and believe and are taught and practice emanates from from the land, from a story about the land, a relationship to the land, that connection to the land the Native American view of listening to what the land is saying to you. Thank you for following our work. Remember to subscribe. New episodes on Mondays. 